1: Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on BuffaloRumblings.com. And everywhere you go to get your Bills-related podcasts, we are so thrilled you've taken the time, wherever and however you're listening, to check out the thoughts of myself, John Boccasino, and my longtime co-host, Jamie D'Amico. Jamie, great to have you back on board as we are We've got a fun topic for our fans today.
0: I I agree that we do. Uh, when you are talking about both the kickoff of free agency and couple that with the fact that we have had the tip off of the NCAA basketball tournament, man, this is a fun week to be talking sports, isn't it?
1: It really is. It's arguably my favorite, you know, time of the the year that doesn't involve uh, Bill's football games because obviously the Bills are not playing anything. None of the teams are competing. They're rather going through all those assorted check marks of the offseason, and we got to cross off one of those with the start of the new league year. There's all sorts of financially motivated moves uh, that were done, including the release of wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie. And uh, on this week's episode, Jamie and I are going to give you our thoughts on what Buffalo has done so far in the early stages of free agency, Um, quieter than I think a lot of Bills fans wanted, Um, but I feel like the Bills, we all knew they weren't going to go out there and make a a huge uh, signing because there just wasn't the the cap space. But, you know, Jamie, this, this whole league year process is fascinating the way it all comes together because it starts off with something that I didn't ever think I would imagine talking about when I was growing up as a football fan the legal tampering phase the fact that we can have right. tampering and it's legal uh, in regards to how teams are able to negotiate with owners because otherwise it's it, it would be it would be so shocking to be like wait a minute twelve oh one the league year began oh and uh, the Bears are signing Tremaine Edmonds and blah 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 all these moves happen so quickly well there's a reason they do it's called legal tampering and it's it's really a
0: terrible misnomer because we if you're paying attention you realize that a lot of these deals get done at the scouting combine so yeah it, it's it's pretty sketchy right but i guess they have to build that in in order to let both teams and agents off the hook when it comes to communicating, right?
1: Could you imagine trying to burn through the phone lines as soon as midnight strikes, and you're trying to text and you're trying to call? I mean, it would be it would be chaos uh, for sure for a lot of the league, uh, the teams, and the owners and the representatives. So this is their their compromise. And and Jamie, I want to start off as we sit here um, on Bill leave, and there's a lot of moves that have been made so far. But let's talk about some of the, the news that involved Bills players leaving one Bills drive. Mm. And I have to start, obviously, with Tremaine Edmonds and the deal he's getting from the Chicago Bears. He is being highly paid uh, to be the face of their brand-new defense. Um, the Bills ended up losing out on uh, bringing back Tremaine Edmonds when he signed a four-year deal, $72 million total, $50 million guaranteed, and a roughly fifteen million dollar cap hit in '23. I got to tell you, Jamie, I want to hear your thoughts on this move and what you were thinking when the word came out that Edmonds was leaving Chicago or leaving Buffalo, rather, for the uh, the Windy City of Chicago.
0: I have to say, I was surprised, and I was surprised by the dollar amount that he was getting because this seems like a free agency class where the linebacker position. Is not commanding a lot of money. And for him to get 18 million per season on average with 50 million guaranteed, I just didn't see the numbers going quite that high. I figured that he was going to end up back in Buffalo at a much lower dollar amount than he was expecting. I thought that he was going to come back to Buffalo at under 13 mil. But, you know, Brandon Bean said in his press conference, this is what happens sometimes you when you have a good team you can't bring everyone back especially when they go out and get their money. But here's the other side of it. He's being paid like a great linebacker, like in the same class as, uh, you know, the Bobby Wagners of the world who actually made less far less money than this last year. He's a very good player. He's not a great player. So, getting up toward that 20 million a season I just don't see how he's going to play to that level. So yeah, it's surprising to me.
1: Yeah, it was definitely for, and the fact is I granted, I'm going to say this and obviously the, the deals have gone up in overall dollar value, you know, so a a year, a contract from today is obviously going to be more expensive than a contract 10 years ago, but this is the largest four year deal that an inside linebacker has ever received in the history of the NFL. And I love Tremaine Edmonds. I think the Bills' defense is going to take a hit without him next mm-hmm. year. But it just it just never seemed like it was in the cards, especially when you think about how much money the Bills have committed to both the defensive line uh, and with, or with 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 uh, Trey White in the secondary. There was just no way the Bills were going to find even at thirteen mil uh, average value contract uh, for Tremaine to come back and play with with Buffalo. This always seemed to be the writing on the wall. And it's frustrating because I feel like the bills, you know, the bills are kind of like with, with Tremaine, here's how I see this all playing out. I think Buffalo is like the, the relationship that you've got with somebody where, you know, you, you give that you're, you're kind of raw, you're rough around the edges and you develop, you cultivate your skills, you become a primetime player and then you break up and then you go off. And the next relationship is the one where you end up getting married and you fine-tuned everything, and you're a polished product. And I just worry that the Bills are not going to get the best years out of Tremaine, uh, given the fact of what it took to trade up back in 27, 2018 rather, and uh, and acquire him in a deal with the Buccaneers. But it's a lot of money to give an inside linebacker.
0: Mm, yeah, it, it really is. And I, I do agree with you. I think that there's a very strong likelihood that the best football For Edmonds lies ahead. But at the same time, I also think that he's more valuable to the Buffalo Bills than he probably is to other teams. Clearly, the Bears disagree.
1: Yeah, clearly. I mean, the Bears have, and the Bears also had the most cap space of any team heading into free agency. So you knew they were going to make a splash. And that indeed was their splash, one of their big splash signings. The rest of the Bills' losses are replaceable. I mean, Case Keenum left to go to Houston for a two year deal. Uh, with $4 million guaranteed. So those are really the two goings, the departures, Mm -hmm. if you will, from this offseason. Now I want to talk about the faces that are coming to Buffalo. And by the way, Jamie, before I do that, I want to say this has been, it's really been remarkable to watch Brandon Bean in action because we talked about ways that this team was going to be challenged this offseason. And one of them was just the fact of how over the cap the Bills were heading into the mm-hmm. offseason. Well, there have been a flurry of moves that have come out. Josh Allen restructured his deal. Von Miller restructured his deal. So did Stefan Diggs, um, Naheem Hines, Tim Settle. They all went through restructurings. And Matt Milano and the team agreed to a two-year extension to keep the uh, the now star linebacker, who is the, the face of that linebacking core, in Buffalo for two more years. With all of those moves, Jamie, it's fascinating to see Brandon Bean was able to free up almost $54 million off of the cap space, Mm -hmm. according to my uh, crack research that I'm going through right here. I mean, let's see, we got 21 million for Josh Allen, another 1.3 million for Naheem Hines. So you're up to 22.4. Stefan Diggs gives 5.4 back. That's 27.8. You get 11 million from Von Miller, puts you at 39 million. Matt Milano saves them 6 million, which is 45. So, really, it's $46 million that the Bills were able to free up. Those are some, and also you get 2.2 million in savings from Isaiah McKenzie being released on St. Patrick's Day. So, Buffalo was able to free up almost $49 million in cap space. That's a testament to what Buffalo's resourcefulness is can be when it comes to front office wizardry.
0: Absolutely. At the same time, at some point, you have to pay the bill on those. And Bean has already said that they're going to be right up against the salary cap next year as well. So the people who are out there looking at the moves being made by Miami and by Chicago and saying, well, why aren't the bills doing those sorts of things? Well, Don't expect to see anything like that for a while out of this team because you push the bill down the road. At some point, you end up in a situation like the New Orleans Saints where you just have to start chopping players off the roster to get to to the salary cap. And I'm a little bit worried. I have to admit, I'm a little bit worried about what this team is going to look like in the future if they keep kicking it down the road like that. However, in the near term, I'm thrilled that they can make it work, but they still can't make it work well enough that they can have real impactful signings this year.
1: Yeah, we all knew that Buffalo is not going to go out there and sign a DeAndre Hopkins or an OBJ. There's just not the cap space out there. But it is, again, impressive when you look at, like, the Milano extension. It's Mm -hmm. a two-year deal. It takes him to the 2026 season and is, I mean, look, if you're going to lose Tremaine Edmonds like you did, there's no way you can also be like, well, we're also going to lose Matt Milano after next year. I mean, this guy has been a cornerstone anchor of the defense. And I liked Brandon Bean's comment that they're not going to move him to the Mike spot. Mm -hmm. They're not going to automatically take – Milano from the weak side spot to being the middle linebacker with Tremaine Edmonds departure, which goes to show you that Buffalo feels pretty confident that they can either, you know, groom Terrell Bernard to step up and be the starting uh, middle linebacker, or they turn to their draft picks to, uh, to fill that, that void out there and, and, and finding a way to, and you're not going to replace Tremaine Edmonds with a rookie, but it's going to take, you know, it might be the sum of the parts Type of game where a couple mm-hmm. of players come in and rotationally fill the shoes because we all knew that there was no way Buffalo could really bring back, you know, Tremaine Edmonds at that, at that salary. Now, Jamie, as we're sitting here breaking down the free agency moves, I do want to ask you this question, though. We've given you the cap figures for what Tremaine Edmonds signed with to go to the Chicago Bears. Before the offseason started, we had had a fun conversation about if the Bills could only bring back one. Jordan Poyer or Tremaine Edmonds, who would the Bills bring back? Well, I never in a million years thought that the Bills would be able to afford uh, Jordan Poyer because it seemed like the safety position has really been running at a premium, you know, when it comes to guys signing this offseason. And then the numbers come out for Jordan Poyer and his deal for a two year deal to come back. It's actually, I'm surprised at how. Team friendly, the Bills were able to get with this deal. It's a two year deal, $12.5 million, $4.85 million cap hit in 2023. What did you make of the news of Jordan Poyer basically getting rebuked in his uh, advances in free agency? He thought he could seek a bigger payday that just was not out there beyond what Western New York could offer him.
0: I'm shocked at how poor the market was for Jordan Poyer. I I saw him coming in at at least 10 million a season and it was almost it was almost half of that and the other thing is the way the contract is structured with the Bills the Bills can get out from under this after this season which is shocking to me I clearly the injuries that he had this past year along with being 32 years old said a lot to the teams that were in the market for safety it cut down on what he was going to get. This was a player who was either going to go with a team that believed their their future is now or he was going to have to go back to Buffalo. And that's exactly what he got. And now he's saying all the right things, and that's great. But based on his comments even beforehand, I just didn't think there was any way he even wanted to come back. But hey, you know what? When uh, nobody else has shown you any love, it's... Um, yeah, you know, it's remarkable how quickly you can come around and change your tune.
1: Yeah, and I feel like, you know, I mean, there's no doubt about it that when he's healthy, Poyer is still one of the top, you know, safeties in the league. Yeah. The Bills were undefeated last year in the regular season when Poyer uh, played in the lineup and and there's no doubt that he loved Buffalo. I mean, there was a great piece that Tim Graham had put together where he basically went back, uh, Poyer went back to Orchard Park and to the stadium. Uh, that Monday, that Tuesday, and even that Wednesday after the mm-hmm. loss to the Bengals and was still connecting with people and kind of soaking in the scene of where he burst on as a, as an emerging uh, top safety in the league. So I kind of thought he had played his last games with Buffalo too. And you wonder if the combination of both the market being deflated for someone of like a 31 year old safety and the sense of urgency that the bills might've felt knowing that Edmonds had left and maybe they figured, okay, well, if we're not going to be spending 13 mil in a year on average for Tremaine Edmonds, we can allocate some of that money to Poyer, you know, to bring in him back. Because now it's like Buffalo can keep a lot of their core principles at the back end of the defense intact, with um with Poyer and Micah Hyde, you know, both being out there. I think it's a great signing. I think it's a great news for the Bills and their defense. But I'm with you, I was shocked when you looked at the salary figures, it's not that big of a hit for the Bills to bring back arguably, you know, a top, a top tier safety. I mean, he was in all pro as recently as 2021 and you can't, you got to imagine for a guy like Poyer and Hyde, they've got this sense of obligation with unfinished business that they want to mm-hmm. attend to and, and them coming back gets a chance to really fulfill that. I can't wait to see what happens. I, I,
0: I... I think that it's fantastic that they're back because Buffalo didn't have a solution waiting in the wings. So this also, and Brandon Bean alluded to that, this is the type of thing where you can start grooming somebody to replace both of those guys because Micah Hyde, he's done after this year and he's already 32. Is He's done as far as his contract goes. I'm not sure how many players entering their mid 30s you want to keep re-signing just from a roster construction standpoint. So, you know, maybe this is the type of thing where Christian Benford starts developing behind them and then steps into their shoes.
1: One, I think yeah, I think you're right. There has to be a succession plan down the road and during his uh his press conference when he announced that he was coming back, Poyer seemed to really embrace the role of coaching up and serving as a mentor to some of the young defensive players um, that are on this team and and could potentially come across via more free agency or the draft coming up uh, in later April. That's so I think a it's a great dude. news. You know, it, you got You got to love that, man. I mean, you just got to love the fact that we get Hyde employer back for one more run um, to keep this defense, you know, a stalwart in the back. It never was an issue of the back end of the defense being the question marks. It's always been the pass rushers and the CB2 role, which we saw a bit of uh, progress last year from Kyrie Elam and whether they, this get, this does, you're right. This gives Christian Benford a chance. If the bills brass want to transition him to safety, he gets a year to be almost like an apprentice under two of the best that have played the game this century. And Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, great news for the bills, bringing back those guys. So that's a, a good signing for the bills to bring back Jordan Poyer. Now, Jamie, the couple of, and there's other moves too. I mean, you know, of the internal free agents, these guys all got one-year deals. The Bills brought back Tyler Madakiewicz and Terrell Dodson to shore up the linebackers, although Madakiewicz is purely a special teamer at at this point. Um, They restructured and then brought back on one-year deals cornerbacks Dane Jackson and Cam Lewis. And the only multi-year internal re-signing was Sam Martin, the punter, who comes back on a three-year deal worth roughly $6 million, 1.66 in a cap hit for 2023. So those are some of the moves that Brandon Bean did to bring back his own free agents. Of course, there's still a ton more that have not signed um, Mm -hmm. the free agents, including Devin Singletary, um, Jake Kumaro. Roger Saffold, Shaq Lawson, Jordan Phillips. There's a lot of players who are unsigned from the internals this year. What do you take? Anything stand out about the resignings that Buffalo had of that group of six that I mentioned, the internal players coming back, besides Jordan Poyer?
0: They take special teams very seriously is what I'm taking out of this. Because as you said, Madikiewicz, he's special teams only. Terrell Dodson, he gets a fully guaranteed deal for one season. And they're not paying that guy to play on the defensive side of the ball. We saw his limitations in pass coverage. Cam Lewis, he is a special teams ringer as well. They take that portion, what do they say? I guess they say it's a third of the game, right? But, you know, it's not. But anyway, they take it very seriously and they're putting their money where their mouth is here that leads me to believe that there's a very good chance that when the dust settles you're going to see Jake Kumaro and Taiwan Jones back in the fold.
1: <laughs> well, you know, that that wouldn't surprise me, especially with Taiwan Jones being such both a standout in special teams and also really a respected locker room guy and and when it comes to having, you know, tight cap space, you're going to bring back people that you know and trust and that's why the Bills are very apt to bring back their own, especially at some of these special teams types of moves out there. The Bills are really focusing on bolstering a special teams unit that was very solid uh, last year. And like you mentioned, Cam Lewis, uh, Terrell Dodson, Tyler Madikiewicz, these guys are all very proven contributors to the special teams part of this unit. But of course, none of these moves would scream sexy or flashy or you know, would make a lot of waves or ripples outside of Western New York, the only moves, Jamie, that the Bills have done so far from external free agency signings here on Bill Leave, we are going to talk about the three external guys who have come in. They've come in on a one-year, a two-year, and a three-year deal, and they all address several needs that the Bills had. But by far, the flashiest signing, the one that will draw the biggest headlines, I feel, um, was Connor McGovern coming over from the Dallas Cowboys on a three year deal worth $22.35 million? There's a $4 million cap hit that McGovern carries for the 2023 season. Jamie, you and I have both been screaming from the rooftop that something needs to be done this offseason with the offensive line. And it was clear that guard has been such a vulnerable position between. You know the the failed Roger Saffold experiment, and Ryan Bates did have a solid second half of the year, but he struggled. He labored through the first half. He clearly is not the answer long term. Let's hope the the Bills think he can bounce back and give them above average play in his second year since signing this big contract last year with Buffalo. But Connor McGovern seems like a pretty solid, pretty prudent move. Um, for what the Bills are looking for along the offensive line. What did you make of Buffalo's three year deal with McGovern?
0: It seemed a little high for what we were getting in Connor McGovern. And we're talking about the Dallas Cowboys version of Connor McGovern, not the New York Jets version of Connor McGovern. Isn't that crazy? Both interior offensive <laughs> linemen. There
1: were, there were, there were, weren't there multiple McGovern's that signed of the Connor variety right on free agency beginning? There
0: sure was. Um you know, when you look at three years at over $22 million, that averages out to $7 million plus. So he's going to be a $4 million cap hit this year. That means that we're going to see cap hits in the 9 or $10 million range over the next couple of seasons. Plus, I think that there's even a void year in this one. Is I may be wrong about yep. that.
1: Yeah, there's there's a void year worked into it. It's honestly not... Hate. It's not a terrible contract, though. I mean, all things considered, it literally the Bills could get out after let's say Connor McGovern plays horribly. The Bills would have the one year on the books, and there'd be a six million dollar dead cap hit for next year if the Bills cut him after one year. So the deal does have a potential out after the first season. And there's a void year tacked onto the back as well because mm-hmm. his cap hit, yeah, so it's four million and twenty-three. It's seven point nine million in twenty four. It's eight point four five in twenty five, and then there's the void year in twenty six, which would carry a two million dollar cap hit.
0: By the way, I hate void years, but that's for another day. Uh, you know, I, 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 the position is there. Uh, th- that is a position that the Buffalo Bills desperately needed to address. Is he the right guy? Well, looking at his Pro Football Focus stats, good pass blocker, not the best run blocker. Not that strong of a guy. He gets pushed around a a little bit. Sometimes he comes out of his stance too high. Would I have liked to have seen a bigger name, better performer, something like that? Yes. Was it going to work this season with the combination of the Bills' salary cap position and their needs? No. They were were not going to be bringing in uh, an uh, all-pro this year. But having somebody who can at least perform league average at that left guard position is probably going to make a big difference in this Buffalo Bills offense because Roger Saffold was terrible last year. So if nothing else, the Bills are getting a guy in his mid-20s that can be around for a few years and hopefully is still improving just like Tremaine Edmonds.
1: Yeah, I I don't hate the move. I mean, I feel like the, you know... The, the thing that is interesting about the McGovern signing to me is, you know, the Bills are bringing him in to play left guard. They've already confirmed that he's going to take the role that Roger Saffold held, and they're going to keep Ryan Bates at the right guard position. But that's interesting to me that they would already come out there and say that because McGovern can play both the left guard or the right guard position. And I was thinking they might examine potentially moving Ryan Bates back to the left guard spot where he seemed to excel um, before last year's experiment and have McGovern uh, play the right guard position. But the Bills came out and already confirmed that McGovern's going to play left guard. Um, You know, McGovern, most of his time with the Cowboys was it has been at right guard in the past. I mean, he's really proven himself to be a really solid pass blocker. You mentioned his liabilities in the run blocking game. He is definitely below average in run blocking. I'm not sure if the Bills brass has any magic beans they can roll out to get him better in the run blocking uh, schemes. But it to me seems like you're taking now another guy who is is a solid offensive lineman, but he's he plays the exact same spot where you might have put Ryan Bates. I just think it's a little bit confusing. Why, if you're going to bring McGovern in, you wouldn't move him to the right guard spot versus left guard?
0: I think probably they see him as slightly more athletic, and that may be something that they want on the left-hand side of the line because that's typically where your better pass rushers are coming from. So to me, that that that's the only thing I can think of.
1: Sure, I can understand that. But the other thing too, Jamie, is this is really shocking to say, but this is by far the biggest commitment that the Bills have made to the offensive line during the Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott era, which is kind of stunning to me.
0: Yeah, it's very clear that they do not believe in putting major assets into the offensive line, especially with Josh Allen, a guy who can run around, but they pretty much bargain shop when it comes to the guard positions. Are they going to address it in the draft in order to get some depth in there or you know is the next move to you know to wait it out and find the fringy starters and sign them to one year contracts at a vet minimum like they've done in the past i'd like to see them get away from that i would like to see them get depth that they can draft and keep on the team for 4 years and then you know sign them to contract to start or let them go and start the process over again
1: yeah, it's a really complicated process for sure when it comes to how the Bills are going to spend their money to address the offensive line in particular. I guess you could also say that this is a vote of confidence in Spencer Brown that the Bills feel he will bounce back uh, at the right tackle spot with the Bills choosing to focus on the interior, the guard play with Connor McGovern and letting Spencer Brown continue to be the incumbent at the right tackle position. I feel like that's a pretty clear move that the Bills have a lot of faith in in Spencer Brown to uh, continue his progression and bounce back to the player that he was his rookie year when he really burst onto the scene as a pretty promising rookie.
0: And Bean has said as much, bringing up the fact that he thought Spencer Brown improved late in the year, but also did make a mention of the fact that he was battling through a back injury. And that, yes, I can absolutely see how a back injury would make playing offensive line very difficult. But at some point, we're going to have to talk about our faith in Spencer Brown going forward.
1: Yeah, we'll save that for a future podcast topic because I know you and I both have our thoughts on the six foot seven right tackle and his future with the Buffalo Bills organization. Jamie, I want to make a switch from really tall players in Spencer Brown. <laughs> To really short, diminutive players. Uh, and the, the Bills had some movement at the wide receiver position as well. We mentioned Isaiah McKenzie uh getting released on St. Patrick's Day, and that move came after the Bills brought in five foot six speedster Deontay Hardy from the New Orleans Saints on a two-year deal worth 9.5 million. It carries a $3.75 million cap hit for the 2023 season. It's evident that the Bills. Wanted more speed. They wanted to add to the slot position. They wanted to add to the boundary wide receiver position and Hardy plays the boundary position. He looks like he's going to be a wide receiver four type in this system. What did you make of the bills bringing in the speedster Deontay Hardy?
0: Clearly they don't feel like they have enough playmakers and that's what they feel. Deontay Hardy is going to be in limited touches, Also, I found it very interesting that he is on a massively incentive laden deal. So they can end up spending up to almost $10 million on this contract, but that is entirely up to the performance of Hardy, who dealt with a turf toe injury last year. But this is a player on the rise, and I'm actually a little bit surprised that they did this. However, clearly, Clearly, Isaiah McKenzie did not develop the way they had hoped. This is the player they wanted Isaiah McKenzie to be. A little rich for a number four receiver, for sure. But that's just the thing. They signed this guy. They said, no, he's a number four. That means that the Bills are probably still looking to add to the depth chart for number two and three at least competition. Yeah, I think I think
1: the Bills are still going to make some moves when it comes to the wide receiver room. But I think what it comes down to is, you know, Deontay Hardy's deal, he is. He's a speedster. He's really good at yards after the catch, which are, is something that Buffalo's wide receivers, in addition to having drop problems last year, they really struggled with their ability to generate yak uh, after they received the pass from Josh Allen. So I feel like, you know, Deontay Hardy is definitely somebody who, can be a project, you know, I mean, his, you look at what he did his last fully healthy season. He had 36 catches for 370 yards. Um, He clearly brings some game changing speed out there. And I know that the numbers seem to be a little bit jarring or off putting, but it's really only a one year deal when you break it down Mm -hmm. to what the bills obligations and responsibilities are. And the cap hits only 3.745 million in 2023 i basically that's a long-winded way of saying hardy's gonna give buffalo more than isaiah mckenzie did with a higher ceiling and quite honestly he's faster i mean the isaiah mckenzie experiment was awesome because the bills think back to when buffalo got him denver cut him Mm -hmm. the bills brought him over he was on the practice squad for a little bit and then the bills elevated him and and you're like oh my gosh this speedster, you know, he, you can use him on the jet sweeps. You can use him on the quick tosses. You can use him in the slot. And he was a really good story, but that's just it. I think you're reliving the few great moments that McKenzie had in his Buffalo career. I would much rather take a higher upside guy like a Deontay Hardy than someone whose best days are behind them, like Isaiah McKenzie. Sad to say, because I love McKenzie's locker room spirit. Right. And I love his infectious energy. But the Bills have to maximize their the money they're spending. And I think Hardy's a much wiser investment than McKenzie would have been.
0: Well, I, I agree with that. We saw what McKenzie's cap was, and now they're bringing in somebody who can perhaps outperform that. And the other thing that makes me happy about this is bringing him in gets people to stop uh, talking about Nicole Hardman, which is a player that. Yes, there's name recognition there, but not a guy who ever performed particularly well and a player who I'm glad the Bills are not signing.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. That was not a move I was hoping the Bills were going to going to make. And and honestly, what the Bills are going to do, at wide receiver, I'm sure they're going to spend a draft pick or two on some competition to come mm-hmm. in there for Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs and Khalil Shakir. I mean, the Bills have a lot of younger wide receivers, but. They don't have many people signed beyond this year. So Buffalo is going to have to do a long, hard look at the future of the wide receiver room. And you're not going to see an Odell Beckham Jr. or a DeAndre Hopkins or a McCool Hardman you know, come in to, to solve that, that riddle, that piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Jamie, the last move I want to talk about, it's a real quick one, but we mentioned Case Keenum going to Houston, uh, going back home. I believe he's from that area to sign with the Texans on a two-year deal, and the Bills have themselves another Allen. It's Kyle Allen, the backup quarterback who will come in and be Buffalo's backup. He actually was with the Houston Texans most recently, but he's also played with the Washington Commanders and the Carolina Panthers because, of course, the Bills can never make a free agency move without there being a tie to the Carolina Panthers. (laughs) What did you take of the other Allen in the quarterback room, the signing of Kyle.
0: He's fine. You know, I hope I don't see him play outside of outside of the preseason. I don't know that he's a high end backup quarterback. Who's going to win you games during the regular season. I see him as I see him as a way that the Buffalo bills can save money by not spending a lot on a backup quarterback, which is what they needed to do with their cap situation this year. Um, I wasn't overwhelmed by it, and I'm not disappointed by it either. You know, this isn't Jacoby Brissett coming in who can win you games if you need to. This is a guy who is a journeyman, and that's fine. You need some of those players on your roster. And again, I just hope we never see him.
1: Yeah. I think this comes down to, I hope so too. I I mean, my gosh, if Kyle Allen has to win meaningful football games for the Buffalo Bills, something will have gone horribly wrong, you know, in 2023. I mean, I kind of felt like case Keenum had a higher upside Mm -hmm. um, when he was here uh, than Kyle Allen does. Um, But then it comes down to the chemistry factor too. And the bills talk about how important it is to have that chemistry in the locker room. Well, if you've got Matt Barkley, Kyle Allen and Josh Allen, those three are thickest thieves, especially the two Allens out there. They're incredibly tight. They're one of Josh's, you know, Kyle and Josh are good friends together. So you're going to get that synergy, you're going to get that camaraderie in the locker room, but my fear is if anything happens to Josh, yeah, I don't think Kyle Allen's going to be able to win, you know, games. He's a he's a game manager. He's not somebody who has a rocket arm to, to lead your team down the field. Um, but if you sign a, a guy like a Jacoby Brissett or a high, low, high-end backup, you're going to have to pay them a lot of money. And like you said, this is more of a cost-saving move. It feels like the Bills feel very confident that Josh Allen's durability is higher than ever, and he's going to be fine to survive another arduous season behind hopefully an improved offensive line. I have no problems with the move, but it's a very meh. Kind of right.
0: Now, a question. Do you think that this shows that Josh Allen may have too much say in what happens when it comes to personnel decisions? Clearly, this is one of Josh's best friends. Are they doing this just to make Josh happy? Is this going to become sort of like the NBA?
1: I mean, I don't know if I looked too much into um into that. I mean, again, I, I feel like the bills are this, and this also isn't rising to the level of of Aaron Rodgers and his wish list to go sign with the New York jets, where he basically was like, Hey, go sign Mercedes Lewis and Randall Cobb. And yes, Alan Lazard, but a bunch of his cronies from his green Bay days. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it would be one thing if the, if this move was like an, I, I can't really come up with a comparison, but Kyle Allen is still a sort of competent backup quarterback. It would be like if the bills were to bring back, EJ Manuel because him and Josh were tight and you're like, wait a minute. EJ has been out of the league for a couple years. Mm-hmm. He's nothing more than can draw somebody off sides on a third or a fourth <laughs> down. Why are the bills doing this? I think Kyle still could play if needed, not well, but he could, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't crash the Maserati. If you give him the keys, mm-hmm. I think he would find a way to, you know, grind up and down the field and not be someone who's going to throw picks, you know, like other backups might, but it's just, I don't, I don't know if I'm, I don't want to give Josh too much credit by saying that I'm sure they consulted with him, but I don't think this is like a, a nepotism move. Okay. Okay. What about you? You, you, you clearly think that it's uh Josh kind of getting his way. I
0: think that there's probably a lot of that, but you want to keep your star players happy, right?
1: Yeah. That's why they're your stars. They're the the best players on the team.
0: Yeah, I I don't. I guess I ask the question because I don't know what to do with it. Like I, I'm not sure. Is is it an issue? Is it
1: is this normal? I don't, I don't know. Well, I also feel like it's it's hard to get a backup quarterback to come in. We don't know what the terms of the one year deal are right now. But when you look at what Case Keenum was able to get, I mean that's even that's too rich for Buffalo's blood with a four million dollar cap guarantee in 2023. So you got to figure. The money's less than what Keenum's getting, and it's clearly for the chemistry and the cohesion of the uh, quarterbacks moving forward.
0: I think I saw somewhere that he signed for the vet minimum.
1: Well, that would be a that would be a major blessing because the Bills right. gotta pinch their pennies everywhere they can. Although it's interesting, Brandon B did come out and say that, you know, the Bills aren't necessarily done when it comes to addressing the roster. One of the moves I would love for them to make and this might be going against the Spencer Brown talk from earlier on, but the bills have been heavily linked to right tackle Brandon shell. Who's a really solid mm-hmm. veteran to bring into at the very least push Spencer Brown for snaps and repetitions on that offensive line. I think he'd be a really solid signing. I mean, he's again, a he started 11 games for the dolphins last year. He's a pretty reliable member of the offensive line. He's a big dude. He can, he's actually a pretty good run blocker, which the bills could use some help with in that department. So maybe Brandon Bean finds a way to keep pinching those pennies and bring in some reliable spendings like a Brandon shell type.
0: Well, that's just it. I don't think that we are going to see. Well, let me rephrase that. I think we're going to see more action later in free agency as better deals start becoming available to the teams.
1: And you could also factor in the running back room, too, for that, because even mm-hmm. though the Bills did resign and restructure the deal with Naheem Hines and James Cook, you got to figure they're going to bring another back in. It's not going to be a Devin Singletary. It hopefully is not going to be a Zeke Elliott. No, there's some moves to be made for sure. And you're right. The Bills have to do some shopping at the uh, you know the bargain basement aisle, given how tight their cap space is.
0: And you know what? That's okay. If they do their scouting and give good sales pitches, then yes, I, I'm thrilled with that. Now, I do wish that the Bills were able to lure Levante David, a player that they missed out on. I feel like he would have made a huge difference on defense. So, you know, they got to work on the sales pitch, perhaps. But hey, they'll figure it out.
1: I think we've uncovered our topic for next week's episode of the Bill Eve podcast. What free agents do you want the Bills to still pursue that are still out there on the market? Jamie and I will hit the books. We'll come up with a list of people we'd like Buffalo to go after to address some of the remaining roster needs. But in the meantime, what did you think about our breakdown of Buffalo's moves in free agency? Get involved with us on social media. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico. I am at John Boccasino. Jamie, great to have you back in the air chair, buddy. Oh,
0: you know what? It's been way too long. So glad we were able to uh, pull it together, my man.
1: We'll make plans to do this again next week here on the episode of Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. Until then, for my colleague and good friend, Jamie D'Amico, I am John Boccasino signing off. Have a great weekend.